use that this morning. I don't think I need you. Like the marker board? Okay, I'll use the marker board. It's in demand. Well, good morning. Hey, I want to, uh, we got about 30 minutes or so, and uh, I want to give you a little bit of context this morning. Everybody awake? Everybody doing good? Still undefeated in the disc golf. It's, uh, you know. And you know, honestly, you know, maybe we should just, we should do something different. Maybe we should do like basket weaving. That might be better. I mean, I, I mean, that may be more conducive to how you, you know, or I don't know. Maybe we could iron, maybe we could iron that we could do ironing. Whatever is easier for you. So uh, we'd love to have you. I want to share with you this morning. Um, I started, I started immediately when I got my uh, call to ministry, uh, working with teenagers. And I was a youth pastor in 1995 at a church in Indiana, Harris Chapel Church of the Nazarene. And then God led me off to college, and uh, I began doing what we called youth evangelism. In fact, I was talking to some of the uh, I was talking to some of the leaders, and I'm really thinking about doing this again, so there'll be more to come. But we did these youth conferences around the country. And 1999, 2000, 2001, we go to the colleges and have four or 500 teenagers come and we would speak. It was all free and we worked with the school and they could be housed for free. It was just awesome. So I've had a passion for teens for a long time. But it was in about, it was in about 1999 or 2000. Um, I had some teenagers in Arizona. I was at the Arizona Southern Nevada teen camp. And it was in my opinion, one of the best teen camps, biggest, best Nazarene teen camps in the country. I mean, they had like almost 500 students. It was ridiculous. And it was just a big, big deal. The district really invested in it. And we did the, uh, what in those days I did a junior high camp, and then we would do a college and career over the weekend, and then we would do the senior high camp. And the senior hires, a lot of them would come early and be counselors at the junior high camp, the, the solid ones. And they met with me, the senior high students met with me in between uh, the weekends over the college and career before we actually had the senior high camp. And it was awesome because the year before they had had this comedian. I don't know why they booked him, but he came in and he was all jokes and all this. So the, the teen board met with me and said, we don't want jokes. We want Jesus. And they said, we really, here's what we want. They said, we want to know, show us in the Bible, any just Show us, just point to it in the Bible where God speaks to teenagers and says, this is what I want from them. This is what a godly younger woman looks like, and this is what a godly younger man looks like. And I was like stressed out. I was like, dude, you could have given me some time. You know, this is like two days. And so I got a youth group full of youth pastors, and we just started scouring the New Testament. And I came across the book of Titus. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a book on it. And uh, I'm on chapter 10 of 12, and it's called Godly Younger Men, Godly Younger Women. And what, Titus, what Paul does when he writes to Titus, he says, listen, and, and he gives instruction. He talks about elders, he talks about older men, older women, younger men, younger women, and then slaves, which slaves would be uh, very much like workers, like just having a job. And I'll have to tell you about that in culture. But they just, he just divides the church up. And he says, if you're a younger woman or if you're a younger man and you have Jesus living in your life, the spirit lives in you, this is what you're going to look like. You're going to know a tree by its fruit. 
If you go up to a tree and it says, I'm an apple tree, but it's producing peaches, is it an apple tree? No. no. It's not. So he says, listen, if the Holy Spirit lives in your life, this is the fruit you're going to produce. And he writes about that, and it's right out of Scripture. And I was like, that's incredible. And so for years, for tw over 20 years, I've been traveling, and when we do with teens, at least two days during the week, we would spend one morning on the godly younger women and one morning on the godly younger men. This morning we're going to begin, because that's just the order in which Paul writes, he talks about godly younger women. Now, this is, there's two things that's huge. If you are a guy, and I, and I hear this from young men all the time, if you're a guy and you struggle at looking at girls as objects, you're clearly not viewing women the way Jesus does. They're not tools. They're not eye candy. They're not, you're not objects. Whether they dress like objects or not, they're not objects. So this morning, when we're looking at the godly younger woman, this is not just for you girls. This is how Jesus wants you to see girls. I interact with, with women the way that Jesus sees them, whether they see themselves like that or not. When they encounter me, they're going to literally encounter someone who views them the way he does. And how does he view them? Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. That's how God views godly younger women. So we're going to walk through that. And if you're a guy, dude, this, this, you should be taking notes. In fact, I'll just be quite frank with you. <laughs> I don't know if this, I, I've said this for years, and every time I, get, I say, don't say it, don't say it, but I have to say it. Girl, if you're sitting here and you see a guy and he's totally checked out, and he's falling asleep, and he's not paying attention, stay away from him. I'm serious. He will be a cancer to you. Seriously, he's just, he's not worth your time. And if he has a problem with that, he can come and see me. This is going to be honest with you. Because he clearly, he clearly does not value enough, value you enough to seek the father on how to interact with you. Okay. So this is just as much this morning for you girls as it is for you guys. For you girls, this, if, and again, there's no pressure on this. And this is super aggressive, and I don't want it to be like crass. But we're just, I'm just going to, in fact, we should use the marker board because I'm just going to list out these characteristics so you know this is not my opinion. Look at me, please. This is not my opinion. We live in a day and age where everybody's got an opinion. Well, this is what I believe. I don't care. There's, I don't care what you believe. You shouldn't care what I believe. I don't care what your mom believes. Definitely don't care what your mom believes. <laughs> I don't care what your grandma believes. I care what this book says. And so if you're open, if you're open, and some of it's aggressive. Seriously, some of it's aggressive. At any point, if you look at this and say, uh, I don't think so, then that's okay. Just don't be Christian. There's other religions. Hinduism. Dude, Hinduism's awesome. You could be any, you could do whatever you want and be a Hindu. It's incredible, except for the clothing, but you know. Christianity's narrow. So this is the characteristics. This is who he created. If you, if you let him in your life, this is what he's going to do. If you let him get his fingers in you, this is what he's going to do. But I'll tell you, what we, when we look at this, 
Some of these things you're going to be like, what? But you probably don't understand it. So I just want to walk you through and explain it. Fair enough? Let's bring up the word. Titus chapter, this is for the godly younger women. Titus chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And these are the characteristics of a godly younger woman. Let's look at them together. Then they can train the younger women. So younger women are to be trained. The question is, who are the they? Are they, be, are they to be trained by their husbands? No. Are they to be trained by Paul? And by the way, the idea of trained, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead. But who are they to be trained by? Who's, the, who's in the verse before? If anybody has their Bibles open or if anybody knows, who's in the verse before? Who are they to be trained by? So if you want to be a godly younger woman, just go find any old woman and she'll train you. So it needs to be a, oh, a godly older woman. That's interesting. So they're to be trained by the gal, godly older woman. <laughs> this gal. What's up, gal? Okay. The next one. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and kids. So they are to love their husband and children. We'll talk about that. They are to be self-controlled. We'll deal with that with the guys. Because some of the characteristics are shared. So for time's sake, we'll deal with that with the men. They're to be self-controlled. They're to be pure. They are to be... Say it. Praise the Lord. Keep them women busy at home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They're to be busy at home. They're to be... To be kind. We'll probably look at this one with the guys as well. Next slide. And they are to be... Oh, glory. They're to be subject... To... Their... Husbands. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't it just give you just warm feelings in your heart? Praise the Lord. So that no one... No maligning. Now, again, let's just go ahead and reiterate this. Um, I probably shouldn't joke too much about it. Because when you come to this, there's certain things you look up here and you're like, no. And again, there's no pressure. Just look at Jesus and say, not interested. Because I didn't make this up. This is not some secret translation. Every Bible says this. Now the problem is, is that when you look at this, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm just going to say it because I'm Jeremiah and I say all kinds of stuff that I'm not held accountable for. Most of the church, I believe, throughout history has exploited women. The biggest women's activists were, were uh, Jesus and Paul. Women and men are equal, completely in every way. There is no, I'll say this to you, remember it, there is no Jew nor Greek. There is no slave nor free. There is no, we are one. I'm not my wife's boss. I don't make all the decisions in the home. 
We are equal. If you've heard different, you've heard incorrectly. And I want to walk you through this. And you're going to look at this and say, yeah, but what does that mean? Be patient. You're so pushy. Okay? So let's look at some of the, what I would call easier ones first. A godly younger woman is to be trained by a godly younger, uh, godly younger woman, or godly older woman. A godly younger woman is to be trained by a godly older woman. One of the things I consistently have found over the years is peer influence is paramount. Um, and you'll learn this, and we've got to keep this stuff short, but you'll learn this as you get older. You were never to make eternal decisions on your own. You live in a world where literally you can make, there are, I, I'm literally watching TV as seven and eight-year-old kids are making lifelong sex change decisions independent of parents. That is demonic to the core. So you can't, most of the time, my, my kids can't even decide on which ice cream flavor they like. Much less lifelong decisions. When you're not even developed, we're so, I mean, we're so inconsistent in our country. The information that's being pushed to you. If you are a godly younger woman, literally, there are elements of your life where you need another voice who loves you, but's not always going to agree with you. Seriously. And by the way, it's the same thing for the men. We'll learn about it tomorrow. I need people in my life that are not going to tell me what I want to hear. And you need someone who's walked you through, who, who, who has already walked through what it means to be a young woman. And the changes that go on in your body, the changes that go on in your emotions, the whole maturity process. And it needs to be someone who's not only older than you, but is a phenomenal godly younger woman. It should be a parent. But if it's not your mom and if it's not your grandma, someone will be put in your life. But I'm telling you, it's not your friend. It's not your friend. It needs someone to look at you and say, no. I have a couple guys like that in my life because my dad died a long time ago. And I've got a couple men in my life that come to me and I'll talk to them about my wife. And it is. It's irritating when he takes their side. I'm like, get out of here. But I want the truth. I want the truth. I just don't want to hear what my itching ears want. I, I just don't want you to always take my side when I'm wrong. So you need guidance, man. I don't know how much to tell you this, but you are, honestly, this sounds crazy. <laughs> I want you to like me. You were never meant to choose the person you're going to marry all by yourself. It's just not biblical. It's probably why divorce in our country is skyrocketing inside the church. Because you make these decisions all your own. Now, I'm not into the whole arranged marriage thing. Although I've thought about it. <laughs> but dude, you should, have, you should have people that love you. That are involved in that whole process of someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with. It's huge. You're to be trained by godly older women. Um, we are going to deal with kind tomorrow. We're going to deal with kind tomorrow. Because it's the same, it's a different word, but it's the same Greek word for the guys. Um, busy at home. This is hysterical. When you think of this, what do you think? 
Yeah, dishes, barefoot, pregnant, you know. Yeah, keep those women at home. I want an honest answer. Who in this room, their mothers work outside the home? Raise your hand. Yeah, they're all going to hell. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mom, you're not going to believe what this guy said. <laughs> that's what's so crazy. Listen to me, that's what's so crazy. Is we in the church, this is, this is nuts. We in the church, you'll, I guarantee you, you have parents and grandparents who are like, we believe the word. You can't have all this stuff. And then I'm like, do you work outside the home? Yes. Well, don't the Bible say this? Yes. Do you see the hypocrisy? Can I help you see it? See, what do we, we typically what I find in the church, we ignore passages like this. So what do you do with it? Well, I want to contend with you first off. I have met very few people that even understand what that means. The word busy at home, it's actually two Greek words that work here. But the most important one is this Greek word that we translate home. There are, this is so neat. There are two different Greek words in the New Testament that you can translate home or household. One Greek word has to do with structure. One has to do with family. This word busy is an authoritative term. It literally means someone who presides over and they're to be absolutely, the buck stops with them. If something goes wrong, it comes back to them. They're the authority, they're the boss, they're the head. And this word here, do you think it has to do with structure, like a house? Or do you think it has to do with household, meaning family? It has to do with family. Most people, when they read this, think it has to do with the house, that a woman's supposed to be home with the kids. That's not biblical. That's just not biblical. Go read the last psalm, the character traits of a God, even in the old covenant, the woman who blesses her husband, the girl owns a shipping yard. She's a businesswoman. This word here, this is so neat, this word here is used in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas are in prison. They're in stocks. They're in the center of the prison. They're praising and singing hymns to God. Earthquake shows up. God shows up on the scene. Blows off all their chains. All the prison doors open. Everybody, you would think, everybody's going to run out. So the jailer thinks that, man, they've all escaped. I'm going to, you know, he's going to be killed. He's going to be held responsible. So he draws his sword. He's about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas cry out and say, don't harm yourself. No one's ran. We're all still here. And the guy's like, how could you all? Because everybody's just blown away. God comes on the scene. So they lead the jailer outside. And the guy falls on his knees. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Whatever you have, I want. And Jesus says, you must be saved, you and your entire household. That's this word. That's, that, that, that's a word. He's not talking about structure. You need to be saved, you and your double-wide trailer. You need to be baptized, back it down to the river. He's not saying that. He says, you need to be saved, you and your whole family. I can prove to you biblically that the woman is the head of the family. She's the head of the house. The man is the head of the wife. Go read it. 
Go read it. And we'll get to that tomorrow. Well, we might get to a little bit more of it today. But the idea of head of the wife is not boss. It's not like we're to be, we're to be the head of our wife as Christ is the head of the church. When did Jesus ever boss, the, the, uh, boss us around? Never. Never. It's so crazy. The enemy has twisted so many things in religion. By the way, the best illustration I could ever have in this with the, with the mom, which is another deal about man and woman being married. They have distinct giftings and roles. The two mother and the two father thing does not work biblically. Why? Because a man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. She's gifted differently. And if you've ever grown up in a home where mom chooses not to be mom, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's devastating. I grew up in a home where my dad wasn't around and my mom chose not to be mom. It was horrible. Because I needed a mother figure. I needed a mom. I needed a mom. Didn't have one. The family falls apart without mom. Do you need a father? Well, yeah, you need a dad. But you have to have a mom. There is a role that you have in the lives of your family that a mother has. Now, we'll get to that in terms of mother here in a minute with the, the love, because I love your husbands and children. But there's a role that you'll have in your family that only you can play. And just to close this loop really quickly, when you come in the New Testament, here, this is crazy. Just pass this on. Aside from all the passages, I was going to read this, but I think we already get the point. There are so many passages that just debunk the idea that for same-sex marriage. I mean, seriously, there are blatant... Paul, and just read it for yourself sometime. Romans chapter 1. I mean, of all the places, this is like not the only place. Don't turn there. Just listen. Paul's talking about the wrath of God being poured out on ungodly people. And he comes down in the middle of that chapter, and for, for, for length, I won't read through all of it. He says, God gave them over because they wouldn't turn. So God said, go do it. If you don't want to, hey, I'm not going to control you. Go do it. God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. And to sexual impurity. What's sexual impurity? It's impure sex. For the degrading of their bodies with one another. What does that mean? Degrading of their bodies. It's improper sexual activity. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped and served created things rather than creator. What does that mean? They worshipped and served each other. You know that at the core of all sexual sin is sexual worship. Yeah, if you're into lust, you worship women. You don't worship God. You worship sex. I wrote a book on that. It's on my website. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men. 
and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Dude, this is not rocket science. <laughs> now, if you, if, now, there's going to be a group of people who say, I'm not interested in the Bible. Then, dude, go do your thing. Seriously, go do your thing. But you understand, if you're going to let him in your life, that same-sex marriage doesn't work. And, and this is also the most obvious in my mind, and I never hear anybody talk like this, but Paul was obsessed about every aspect of teaching regarding family. He teaches on family. He teaches on if you have a family, if you don't have a family. He teaches on if you're a father or if you're a mother or if you're a man that doesn't have children that's married to a woman who doesn't have kids. He teaches on what to do if you get divorced, what to do if you marry someone who gets to, uh, who's been through divorce, what to do if, if your wife leaves or if your husband leaves, how to relate to your... I mean, dude, every aspect. If you're a widower, if your husband or wife dies, should you get remarried? He goes into great detail in every aspect of the family. Never one time does he give appropriate teaching on same-sex marriage. Every time it's wives love your husbands and husbands love your wives. In Galatians and Ephesians and Corinthians, every time. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not lying to you. I have no axe to grind. I'm not secretly getting money from some like conservative group. I'm telling you the truth. The Bible is very clear. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Why? Because in order to have a child grow up in a functioning home, in non-broken environment, he needs and she needs a mom. She needs a mother. So I'm not railing on anybody, but just you need to know the truth, dude. The Bible is very clear. And what's crazy is, not you, and I'm not talking about you guys, obviously. Just all those other teenagers in the world. Most of your generation, they just don't read it. You just don't read the Bible. You probably do, but most of you don't. You're like, I believe this. I don't care. Have you read the Bible? Well, I know what it looks like. It's brown. Come on. Are you hungry? See, I, I want to know the truth. So I dug into this thing. Women, you're the head of your family. Which is why my wife bosses me around. Seriously, she's incredible. My wife said, you should get on my Facebook or Instagram. She's a second degree black belt. She's got my daughter, who's also a second degree black belt. They're going to Atlanta today for a tournament. So my wife's like, pick up that mess or I'll hurt you. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Hey, she's the head of that. She's the glue, man. She's the glue. I'm like, rub dirt in it. <laughs> we would all be dead. Anyway, the point is, she's the head of the family. That's the woman. Are you listening? Come on, are you open? You believe whatever you want to believe, but are you open? Okay, we'll deal with this later. Love. This, I love this. I had a guy come to me and say, oh, so... Uh, Every woman, see this characteristic of a godly younger woman is that she is to love her husband and children. And so I had a guy say, oh, so every woman has to get married. Every woman has to have children. No. It's again, and we'll talk about this on Thursday night, but the, the, the New Testament is filled with fruit language. Jesus teaches on it. Paul uses it. He uses the term poieo. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. Uh, Jesus says you're going to know a tree by its fruit. You have all this fruit language. And you would say, why? 
It's, it's, it's growing imagery. An apple tree, whether it ever produces apples or not, is still an apple tree. You were created to interact with your world, your husband, your children, and everybody else through love. If you ever had children, if the Lord opens up an opportunity for you to get married, and if he opens an opportunity for you to have children, this will be the love. This will be what defines those relationships. Whether you have kids or not, or whether you get married or not, is incidental. You were created for love. Really quickly, it's interesting, in our culture, I already told you this, but in our culture and in Greek culture, and you can study this, you can study this. In Greek culture, women... Women got their social status. Think about this, please. Guys, listen to this. This is huge. Women get their social status based off their sexuality. We sell food with sex. I did this experiment. This is so good. I did this experiment where I came up to girls at teen camps. And I'm like, you're being packaged as a sex object by the culture in which you live by the clothing in which you wear. You need to seriously go into your wardrobe and rethink how you're presenting yourself. And I was talking to this girl, and they said, no, that's not true, and it's this and that and the other. And I said, let's, let's pick something. And so I was in NEI, and in NEI, um, like every area of the country has different like sports emphasis. In northeastern Indiana on that camp, volleyball for both guys and girls, it's huge. So if they're celebrate life, if they're competitions, volleyball is like, it's not basketball, it's crazy, it's volleyball. And they have a super competitive guys team and a girls team. So I'm talking to them, and I'm like, if, if and I was talking about comparisons, you know, who is not necessarily better, but who would win if the girls team played the guys team? And I was surprised, because the girls would be like, the guys would win. And it wasn't like a chauvinist thing, it wasn't like a sexist thing. They're like, it's just, everything in volleyball is, is it's like basketball, the ball for a girl is, is smaller, it's not sexist. You know, the net for the volleyball for the guys is bigger. I didn't know that, you know. So this is actually some of the issues we're having in sports. A lot of women, this whole women's rights and transgender rights that they are able to, you know, identify as a woman. Women are, you're being exploited. I'm watching MMA fighters who grew up men all of a sudden decide they're a woman and they go in and fight a woman. That's not fair. That's injustice. And what's shocking is your generation, not you, but your generation stands up and goes, that's good. It's, are you, are you going to believe everything you hear or are you going to think for yourself? Come on, wake up. Are you going to think for yourself? Don't believe the old guy. Think for yourself. It's not right. It's not fair. And so it's, it's interesting. I was talking to these, the volleyball teams. And the girls were like, well, the guys will obviously win, which was, I didn't care about that. What I cared about was their clothing. I said, why do you girls wear the, the shorts that you wear? Why do you wear the clothing you wear? And they're like, well, it, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's, it is tight and short and all, but, but you know, it's, it helps us move. I'm like, that's interesting. The guys don't wear that. The guys wear long shorts. They don't have any problem moving. And then one girl goes, well, it's just our uniforms that are given to us. You're being packaged you can believe whatever you want. And I do. I affirm that teenagers know everything. But I just want to open your eyes. 
there came a point in my life when I was 22 years old, I began to think for myself. Being, your generation is being exploited by the enemy. You are not objects. And I'm just going to debunk the idea. People's like, well, you know, it makes it hard for us guys. And it shouldn't. If you're filled with Jesus, you're not going to lust. It doesn't matter what the girls wear. Jesus went to tax collector parties. He spoke with prostitutes. All these people, these, these sexually deviant people, come on. That's not the issue. I mean, whenever I go to the airport, it is like butts everywhere. Cute butts, big butts, small butts. Yeah, I'm, I'm becoming an expert at butts. I mean, I can tell you. I could grade them. I see them all the time, you know. I'm like, hey, way to go, guy. <laughs> don't read into that. But the point is, is that it's, you don't have to live in lust. So I'm not telling you something that's trying to benefit me. I'm talking to you. Use your head. Come to a godly older woman and say, hey, does this present me? I'm not eye candy. I've never met a girl, I've never ever met a girl unless she's been severely abused who grows up with the dream of being a sex object for a guy that I just want to be used and abused. I just want to be used for his fulfillment. I've never, I've never ever met a girl like that. Then stop, don't present yourself like that. Be like, I belong to Jesus. Come on, I belong to Jesus, man. And that's how I'm packaging love. You were created for love. And really quickly, the word here for love in Greek culture is eros, which is erotic love in the Greek. But you know what the word is here is agape love. You were not created. God did not give Eve to Adam for sex. She was created for relationship. By the way, this, excuse me, this is not agape love. This is phileo love, which means relationship. Friendship love. You were created for relationship. Most of the counseling my wife and I do with couples, she looks at, at some point, the girl looks at me and goes, he only wants one thing. What's she want? She wants him to look at her as a, as a confidant, as a, as, as, a relation, as a partner. Value. Not just someone to clean up after the kids. I'm telling you, you want, to be, you, want to be, you want to be married to a man who looks at you the way Jesus does. Because your value is not just in your body. Your value is in the capacity to be used by God to transform the world. The last one we're going to look at really quickly, we'll look at this one tomorrow as well. But the last one we're going to look at is the word purity. When I was in college, I uh, was in class next to this girl who I thought was wearing a wedding ring. And, I, and she was like a freshman. I was like, man, check you out. Starting early, huh? She's like, what? I was like, are you married? Because I was a brand new Christian. Just came off the, you know, never, I haven't even read the Bible yet. I was that guy in class where they're like, yeah, open your Bible to 2 Galatians. I'm like, I can't find it. You know, I was that guy. I, did, I never heard of purity rings. Anybody here ever heard of purity rings? Oh, you do. This is so cool. What does a purity ring stand for? going to save yourself for marriage. No kissy kissy. Okay? I'm not going to have sex until I get married. So a purity ring. 
So I saw this girl next to me. And, and I was, I'd already walked through this, and it was, by, it was a God thing, but I'd already walked through this word, purity, as it applies to women. By the way, this is so cool. This word of the New Testament is most of the time, almost all the time, applied to women, not men. She's unique. You're unique. And it was interesting because the Greek word here, listen to this, the Greek word here has nothing to do with sex. You're like, what do you mean? You're wearing a purity ring. You could never have sex before marriage and still not be pure. Doesn't have anything to do with sex. This word here is the word used in the Old Testament. It's pronounced hagias. It's used in the Old Testament to describe those things in the temple that belonged to God, that man was not allowed to touch. Do you guys remember the story of Uzzah who's walking beside the horse and carrying the ark and he reaches out and touches it and drops dead? Why did he drop dead? Get this. You want to know how God views you? If this doesn't make you love Jesus, girls, you're crazy. The way God looks, he created you for himself. He did not create you for men. You belong to him. You're a daughter. With fear and trembling, I walk in intimacy with my wife because she belongs to him. I'm dating the daughter of God. You're like, I thought you were married. We're still dating. She's incredible. In the Old Testament, this was used to describe the leafy branch, pure, the leafy branch and the tablets that were in, in the Ark of the Covenant. Only one person was allowed to go back there once a year. It was the high priest. And he had to tie a rope around his waist because and, 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 no one else was allowed behind the veil. Because if he went back there and touched something irreverently, he would drop dead. And they'd have to pull him out. That's how God looks at you. Which means if you're dating a guy who can't keep his hands off of you, he doesn't love you, and he's not walking right with Jesus. So you can tell him, take the train. See ya. Because I belong to him. Because if he treats you like an object now, he treats you like an object later. You're pure. Breaks my heart. I'll meet people that'll come up to me in services and have questions about all this. And then in these kind of services, they totally check out, not interested. Then don't come talk to me. I love you. And I'm telling you the truth. But if you don't want to hear it, do your thing. But you're going to end up coming back. When I was, last thing, and we'll close, but I was in uh, Wisconsin. And uh, I used to do this camp. I did this camp like 10 or 11 years in a row. Girl was a freshman. And uh, she was that girl that caused drama with the other girls. It's like she was going to prom every morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some of the girls were like. <laughs> and she was gorgeous. She was pretty. She was seriously, she was gifted. You know, I, you know that beauty is a gift in the scriptures? I mean, not too many people are just gorgeous. There's very few of us. But she, uh, this, this girl was just very attractive. And she knew it. 
this is hysterical. This is no, no, no embellishment. I would watch how she would act with the counselors. She used her sexuality. She'd come up and hug and all that stuff. And it doesn't help her. And I'd see these insecure youth pastors. They don't know how to, I want to help her. This is true. So she comes up and she's like, Jeremiah. And I went, hey. And I grabbed her hair and I was like, what's up, girl? <laughs> and I threw her down and kicked dirt on her. Yeah. She was like traumatized. She got up in her hair and it was hairspray. So then you just go the whole two-hour process over. So I had to come up and apologize to her. And I'm like, hey, girl. She's like, she's all pouting. I'm like, what, dude? I like your hair. Yeah, I'm not going to contribute to your insecurity, which is what it is. I'm not going to contribute to your brokenness. If you walk down this road, you're going to present yourself as an object, and you're going to run into trouble. And I watched. Every, there were several senior high guys there who didn't love Jesus. And she, they were predators, and she was prey. And she loved the attention. Next year, she didn't show up to camp. But her junior year, she did. And she'd had an abortion, and she wound up pregnant. And it was drama. This guy had taken advantage of her. He was a senior at high school. 100% truth. This is no makeup story. 100% truth. Got her pregnant, didn't stay with her, used her. That's why she didn't come to camp the previous year. Everybody's boo-hoo and all this, and it's terrible. She's been exploited. And I ended up talking with her at the altar. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I love you. She says, yeah. I said, but you did it to yourself, young lady. And she was like, I had some counselors that were upset with me. Oh, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. You have to take ownership. You contributed She got radically saved. She's on the mission field today. I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name. I think it was like Bob. Or maybe Larry. She's in the United Methodist Church up in, up in uh, oh no, excuse me, the Free Methodist Church up in Montello, Wisconsin. She's on the mission field. I saw her two years ago. She's totally different. There's consequences. Listen, dude, I love you. I'm mean, just being as honest as I can. Your, 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 your counselors love you. Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. He wants you to see how absolutely phenomenal, special, wonderful, and cherished you are. Most girls just don't believe it. And they think they have to earn it. They have to earn attention. Are you listening to me? You don't. You do not need to you do not need to get your self-esteem based off of what the world says about you. Last night we looked at that word. Truth is above information. The information the world gives to you. This is what it means to be pretty. This is what it means to be beautiful. This is what it means to be accepted. This is what it means to be popular. This is where peace and happiness comes from. It's a lie. It comes from him. You're wonderfully and beautifully made. You're pure. You belong to him. 
I'm telling you guys, that's the type of woman you want raising your kids. There's nothing more wonderful about being in, in, in relationship and being married to a confident woman. A confident and competent woman who knows her identity in Jesus and can also fight four people at the same time. Are we good? We okay? Listen, if you want someone to lie to you, I'm not that guy. If you want to know what you look like, and you come to your mom or dad, they may tell you, I'll tell you the truth. Seriously. I'll tell you the truth, because I love you. That's not your color. Okay? So tomorrow, we're going to look at the characteristics of a godly younger man and how he is to walk with a woman. Which is significant, not just for the girls, but also for the guys. Come into agreement with me, will you? And what I mean by that is while I'm praying, pray this with me. Guys, I'm starting with you. We good? Jesus, I want to see women the way you see women. I release, I repent of any view of women that I've had that you don't have. Forgive me. I repent. I renounce. I come out of agreement with. Father, in the garden, Satan was the one who taught Adam how to objectify Eve. He used Eve as an object to get to Adam. He was the, Satan is the ultimate liar and exploiter of women. Jesus, you're the biggest advocate and champion of women. I want to see them the way you do, Jesus. Father, as a young woman, I come into agreement with the girls. I come into agreement with younger women that they can see themselves the way you see them. Father, let them, let them embrace and wear purity as a banner. Father, you're exposing areas of our life this week where, wow, we have thought and even feel wrong. You're exposing that. Would you begin the healing process? Would you begin the healing process this week? Would you, would you go down deep and root out the lies that are sown in by the enemy? I pray you would restore, Father, restore in this hour the supremacy of women in our culture. I ask for forgiveness, Jesus, that we've had to let women defend themselves, whether through feminist groups, whether through women's rights, whether through marches. I just, I ask for forgiveness because it was my job as a man to champion women. Jesus, you champion and protect your bride. I pray that you would let the young men in this service champion and protect the women in whom they encounter. Let them stand up. I pray you would revive chivalry and redefine it and explain it so men can know it. Let this morning and tomorrow morning be forever embedded and written on our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Now, really quickly.